The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we are joined with a very special guest once again for another edition of the Player Battles. Let's go! Welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey. You can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. I'm joined with Luke. Mate, I'm excited to be here. I feel like all we do is uh, int- uh, bloody uh, interview, interview celebrities. celebrities is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> and I'm here with Warney. <laughs> Coach of the Warndogs. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Two out of three. We're going to bring bring back the fractions uh, yes, yeah, for the podcast here. Celebrities so. everywhere these days. So two, two out of three. Uh, Warney, you've... you've been very uh, graceful enough to give us part of your time that we can go through another uh, edition of Player Battles. Hopefully, we'll see how well you fare. Calvin, obviously, was on the last episode of this uh, little series. And uh, uh, I don't know, you, you said you caught a little bit of it. How do you, how do you think the old Calvinator went? <laughs> it's only so much I can take it, Calvin. I don't think I've been watching full episode of him doing anything. <laughs> that's, that's not about you guys at all. It's okay. uh, more about him. But no, I, did, I did get most of it, actually, to be honest. I won't tell him that. I just said, oh, I saw you. You're a bit boring. But um, he did all right. He did all right. He's a pretty convincing bloke. He, um, he, did he have any beers under his belt? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure. He I'm kept sure. he kept it under wraps. None none that were visible on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we didn't check the the rest of the room or anything like that. So he, he could sell ice to an Eskimo that bloke, but yeah. I, I found myself starting to debate for his side. So so uh, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully you can you can hold your own as well here as well, Warney. We've got uh, for those again who haven't checked out the previous podcast uh, with with Calvin. We'll leave a link up in the the corner there if you're look, looking on YouTube. But basically today we're going to be going through some player battles. We've picked. Uh, players that are very close in price, position, and potential scoring outcome. And again, uh, if you have to choose one of them, which one are you going to go for? Because, you know, it's getting down to the, the wire at the moment. Fantasy uh, AFL fantasy is coming up soon. The, the, the season's about to start. So we've got to start to be really ruthless and cut some players that we might uh, want to fit in our teams. But of course, uh, budget uh, restrictions might prevent that from happening. So we'll throw it over to you, Warney, first. We've got our first debate in the Defenders and a very uh, hot debate, I think, in the AFL fantasy community uh, between uh, Nick Dacos, the popular man, and Hayden Young. You're going to be debating for Nick Dacos. So uh, sell us on the uh, the second-year uh, pie. Uh, well, Team Vanilla is what Warn Dogs is always about to start <laughs> with. So you've actually got plenty of... Um, 
plenty of mates in the same boat with you because he's currently in 46% of teams. So he's yes. actually the most selected sort of premium player. And I guess we're selecting him thinking that he is going to be that premium player and be a top six defender. So you wouldn't be starting with him otherwise. Um, so price at that 88, I think that's obviously a, um, a pretty high price point after a player in their first year because we did see an epic first season with, the numbers that he pumped out, it was pretty exciting, really, when you're thinking about watching a guy in their first year. Uh, seven tons he had. Um, he had a ton on debut. Like, that doesn't yeah. happen very often either, um, unless you're Nick Martin from the Bollers with that 130, which I'll always <laughs> hang my hat on thinking how good he was. But, um, but yeah, Dacos, he, and he finished well in the season. I think that's probably the key to it mm. in that role, which is most likely going to go on, although I'm, I'm changing my mind a little bit thinking he's going to be that half-back all the time because just some of the words coming out, like we spoke to Tom Mitchell the other day, and he was very much hinting at that even this year he'll probably get that um, midfield time. But, you know, I think he will mostly play that halfback role because it worked well for him. And, yes, he's only his second year. So um, a, couple of, um, a couple of numbers that he did sort of pump out through the year were pretty good. So um, those tons is what it's about for him that he's able to hit that. And the key is, I think, for defenders is that we've got the group, you've got your um, you've got your Doherty at the top, which yep. is a significant jump ahead of the next group of guys. But I'm not that confident on that next group of guys. I do like a bit of Gus Brayshaw at the moment. But otherwise, like, you know, a Dawson, he'll, he'll maybe be that he, at that 100. He's not going to – I can't see him jumping up high from that. Um, same goes for Sinclair. I think there's there's just risk in those guys in the yeah. sense of even thinking that they'll do what they'll do, let alone be improvers, which is what we want to find. Whereas at Dacos, I think uh, I'm pretty confident that he's at least taken that 88 into the 90s and it could be mid to high 90s based on the way that he plays. I guess the concerns, and that's not really my job here about it, but um, <laughs> like going into bat for him, but um, it is that Collingwood style and see exactly how that works. But he was still able to make it all happen last year despite that. And and you can only be, well, we do hear second-year blues at times, but I think there's only improvement because everything we're seeing out of the um, out of the pies with what he's doing is just looking sharp. He's going to take it to that next level, which is the exciting thing about him. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned, um, Warn Dog, that potential shift into the midfield. I've been reading some similar things. It's almost in a in a team like Collingwood with that game plan, you almost hope he stays across half back. Yeah. Um, going thing. to the midfield seems to be um, seems to be a bit of a death sentence in terms of fantasy. Does, yeah, could, does, we, could we see a Jade Short uh, yeah, kind that, of scenario happen with the Dacos if, he, if he's thing. a bit more in the midfield in that Collingwood system, obviously with Craig McRae there? Mm. playing a bit of a similar kind of style. Uh, I'm not sure which one I prefer, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a worry. One, one of the things that... I think, I think it's a half-back thing for me. That's what you want him to oh, do. I think so too, well. yeah. Because part of it too will be finding his feet in the midfield. Like, he didn't have a hell of a lot um, last year yeah. through the guts. So, in yep. a couple of the games where he did have some decent numbers in the midfield, like centre-bounce attendances, he, he didn't drop great scores. So, that is a concern there with that. So... Probably be interesting to really watch these pracky matches coming up to see exactly what his role will be because if it is getting increased midfield time, then that could be that little bit of an issue for him. Yeah, I think I think where I'm going to go and fight for Hayden Young here is I feel like uh, Dacos is the flashier type of player, and and you're right, it's it's sort of like that defensive line is very difficult for us to kind of find 
players of value. And I feel like typically that price point around the Hayden Young, around the Nick Dacos is where we want to kind of get that player that's just a, a little bit below the top six, that percent a little bit of value, but could potentially be in that top six. And I think that because of how well he played last year, we're all very excited that this guy is going to take that next step, step up. And I think he'll be better. Um, I think, he, like you said, it probably will be in the 90s, but for him to get into that top six, it's going to have to be sort of high 90s, in my opinion. And especially to start the year, I think that he's got a bit of a, a tough draw. He's got Geelong in round one, Port Adelaide in round two, both tough uh, games for defenders and midfielders. Uh, Richmond in round three, probably an easier draw, but then he goes against the Lions, St. Kilda. Uh, who knows if they're using a tag this this year with Ross yep. the Boss. Um, Essendon uh, was tagging towards the end of last year. Adelaide's an easy matchup, and then he's got Sydney, where they've been doing the Clark tag uh, towards the end of last year as well. So, to me, I can see potentially three tags in the first eight rounds, and the first two matches against um, uh, Port Adelaide and uh, Geelong, pretty tough matchups. So, and especially a guy coming to his second year, there's going to be a lot more attention on him. Yeah, there's potential for me to see him start the season poorly and have like a bit of a rough patch I expect him to maybe get better as the season goes on and I think overall his season average might be sort of up there um, but I think that it might be a, a, a you know up and down start and when you're 46% uh, owned or whatever it is there's a decent chance for me to go against a player like that and I don't necessarily think like a Nick Dacos is a guy that I'm scared to go against in, in the way that he's going to take your season away like I'm not going against Josh Dunkley because he can totally ruin your season before you before it gets going. But a Nick Dacos, I think there's more upside to fading him than there is upside to you know starting or sorry yeah. downside to starting, starting him, him if that makes sense. So when I compare him to like a Hayden Young, for example, this guy to me is just Mister Consistent. Like the guy, you know, it was two games against the the Eagles last year where he dropped some pretty stinking scores. But I think one of those games was when. They had all their um, waffle players in there, and the, the ball just yeah. lived at the other other end of the field. Um, and I, I think the other one, I can't remember exactly what happens. But this guy, in terms of ceiling, pretty close. He's had a 132, a 122, and a 119 in there. So he has a ceiling in there. He didn't take nearly any of the kick-ins last year. That was very much um, you know Luke Ryan's role last year. I expect that distribution to be a little bit closer this year. I think I saw a tweet that perhaps he's going to be kicking in a bit more. Yeah, so I think, and and he's a young player too, hasn't played 50 games just yet, so Mm -hmm. still lots of growth left to go in him. The the chipmark game that Freer likes to play, I think, suits him well. Um, So yeah, I think that Hayden Young is a a good alternative to a Nick Dacos and, you know, playing that sort of, you know, game where you sort of take on a popular player, I think is a legit strategy. So Warney, do you reckon that extra attention for Dacos, does that worry you at all? It does, definitely. And that's probably even um, the, the difference with these guys is there's the attention. But then there's just that ceiling that we might be able to see from Dacos. Like there's, you've yeah. got to weigh up those things a little bit along yeah. the way. I think Young is still obviously um, growing as a player. That kick-in stuff's good. And uh, we spoke to Nathan Schmuck over there and they talk about him being a guy that they want the ball in his hands. And I think that's a real positive about Hayden Young. But yeah. I'm just... Yeah, it's a really tough one because they've got 
a pretty decent back line where the ball does. Um, there's a few players there. I guess in there's a few players like Luke Ryan, for example. Like yeah. he, he wants the ball in his hands. I don't know if he's the best player to have it all the time, but <laughs> he could be one of those guys that does take um, take ball away from him. And there is that sort of sporadic thing. Depends on where he sort of lines up because if he does push up on the wing, you know, we can see some players get lost on a wing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think he's he's a jet and both of them are going to be great. I guess a, a good question here, and it is obviously about Classic and this single season, who do you think will have the better average in their future? Like, over, let's say, in the next five years, who, who well, does think, average the most? I think Dacos gets, 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 gets him in, See, in the future, but it's just the start of this season that, that has me concerned. Mm. The, the thing for me with Dacos is that, that, that bodes well for Dacos is just from a football perspective, if you've got a player of the calibre of Dacos and you're at Collingwood, you're just not letting him get tagged out of a game. Do you know yeah. what I mean? If the tag goes to him, is Fly McRae sitting up there in the box just going, yeah, that's all good. Like, it's, there's just no chance. He's moving him around. He's, you know, the other Collingwood players are working to get him the ball, um, working to get him open, all those things. So just, for me, I, I see I see the upside and I also see that, that fact that he's what they're going to build around for the next decade. So they're not just going to let him go missing in games. I think that kind of bodes well for him as well. He's got some good units in the back line with him to help him as well, I suppose, when you're looking yeah. at the, the Maynard types and um, then just the leadership we've got back there too. So, because I'm assuming Pendles will spend a bit more time Does that in the hurt back line. Or help him, and, do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. It, it probably depends on how selfish Pendles will end up being this season. That's <laughs> going to be part of that, I think. But I think. Um, I think it's going to help for development, but for fantasy scores, yeah. it may not exactly be what we um, what we want. But I do feel like that his numbers, like we all know his junior numbers, they were epic and all that. Like yeah. there's just, it's you're sort of betting against a little bit of that second year blues type thing um, in this, which is which is something that is a concern. But yeah. I still think he just will find the ball, and that's what um, at the end of the day, what it's all about. Yeah, I, I kind of, uh, just to wrap up this this one and we'll move on to the next one, but I just kind of compare him to almost like a Sam Walsh type. You know, Sam Walsh came out in year one and blew us away. I think he scored, I've uh, got on here, he scored an 80, yes. sorry, a 92 in his rookie season, so even better than uh, a Nick Dacos, but obviously in the midfield role. But in his second year, he improved it to a 96, but the first half of the season was much poorer than the second half of the season. He started the year with a 65, 69, 49, 90. Now, these are all uh, coronable scores, so yeah. times that one by 1.25, uh, 44. So only one tonne in that uh, sort of first uh, six games. Um, and then in the back half of the year, once he got used to that bit more of attention, then he started to really turn it on. And I can kind of see that trajectory for a Nick Dacos. So, look, I'm not ruling out starting him, but it's it's... It's something that I'm definitely considering and I think like it's the popular move to go and grab a guy that's 46% owned and, and just sort of tuck him away and whatever. But I think fading him is a legit strategy that I'm definitely considering. Yeah. It's it's safe to go with so him. So would you... Sorry, one of you go. Yeah, it's safe to go with him. Would you go with... So then if you're not going there, how confident would you be of going with Young then as a starting pick? I, I, I'm very confident with Hayden Young. I think I think just the natural progression of him... Like, he last year was his only full season basically playing... Uh, you know, I think he played five games and then eight games and then last year was his first season where he played uh, every game. So he's still... I think he's only played like 10 more games than, than a day cost when you add it all up. It's... 
Um, you know, he's yeah. still very young in his career. I think the key thing that I want to watch in the preseason is how, like you said, how hungry is he for the football? Like Dacos is that kind of type where you see him yeah. waving his arms around. He's <laughs> kicking to me, kicking to me. Whereas Hayden Young is a bit more like polite in that way. Like he, he <laughs> doesn't. Yeah. Wow. Whereas I'm if, sure he if, wouldn't if like I, being described like Well, that. If, if I see him like saying, guys, give me the ball and like throw a bit yeah. of that hunger a bit more, yeah. um, then I will, I will jump on no, no doubts about it. Um, look, there's a world you could go both. Um, especially with the defenders and all our mid prices falling over, like a Christian Salem. Um, mm. But if you had to choose one at this stage, I, I, I am sort of leading more towards Hayden Young. Interesting. Well, preseason watch on him. Pre-season when someone's watch. having a head, when someone's having a set shot, we want to watch where he lines up. If he gets right <laughs> back to that post and he's ready for that kick in, that's where he <laughs> yeah, does we, get We want the that Jake Lloyd, Sicily kind of just sprint hey, to the I, goal. I, I, no, I, I hope yeah. he's literally leaning over the ball bag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. let's, let's move on into the midfield here. The next battle we're going to do is our Jackson McRae versus Bailey Ooh. Smith. So two Bulldogs. Um, again, Warney, we've given you the more vanilla pick here. <laughs> so uh, you're batting for Jackson McRae and uh, Luke's going to be uh, d- uh, battling for our boy, uh, probably our poster boy for this podcast, Bailey Smith. The Moulet. So, uh, let, us, uh, let us know what your thoughts are with Jack McRae. Uh, well, yeah, vanilla, vanilla, vanilla. But he hasn't <laughs> left my side this whole preseason. I'm just so excited about what he can do because we've seen it before. I think that's the key thing for McRae and, and the old school mentality of my fantasy picking is that you look for that upside based on someone that's been there rather than like choosing a breakout is the other side of it. I'm like going, yep, this guy has done that. So he's priced at the 103, which is actually below his career average. So that's like a, a first little tick because his career average is a 104. Now, um, his second year, he averaged 104. Like it's a pretty epic um, career stat to look yeah. across and see what he's done across his time. His best was in 2018 where he averaged 122. So that was obviously an epic um an epic return there, but in the last four years prior to last year, so he um, was 110 plus in all those four years. So if you're getting a bloke that's um, priced at 103 that's gone 110 in the four years prior to last year, um, you've got to be thinking, yep, that's a, well, you could even put that as your base score, the 110 that he can go to, which would then slot him into a top eight. Um, the other side of it is that then we've got Dunkley gone, and so things should hopefully work in his favour and all that. So his issues were when, as Calvin likes to put it, um, sooks out on the wing when he um, when he gets sent out head there to do so, things. Yeah. So, you guys had the protractor out just measuring the angle of the head. <laughs> and, that, and that's going to be a good pre-season watch for McRae as well, I reckon. We'll see where he is. There's even some bloody funny people out there on Twitter and stuff. With, um, I saw that photo. He was, uh, there was a photo and he was next to Bevo, so that's going to be a positive thing. He's out in the, the wing coach. on the photo, I think um, I heard someone but say. But he was out right on yeah. the side, yeah. <laughs> so, we that did get the protractor out and it was... What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It was less than 8%, so we were happy with that and <laughs> he should be, should be pretty right with that. So, yeah, I think the big positives about it is that he's still prime age. Um, Bulldogs will be, you know, wanting to compete as they do, although I'm not as bullish on what they might do as what others could be. However, 
um, he's going to be in the guts. And I think one of the things is probably is a little bit blown out of proportion with how much time he did spend out on the wing um, or yeah. outside of the midfield. He was, he was the, highest, he yeah, was the yeah. man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's just going to be that there will be the more time. And then obviously the more opportunity for ball. And I think that's the... Uh, um, that's where it comes from for the CBAs and such and the Dunkley going. That's 100 points going out of the team. Like yes. it's, they're, going to, they're going to be spread in a way, and I don't think that 23rd player coming in to replace him is going to be picking up those points, essentially. So it's going to be a bit more of a, hopefully, an addition to those guys in the midfield, including uh, maybe Baz Lenka. Yes, yeah, we'll yeah. see. And, see and Luke. <laughs> for, yeah, for, for full transparency, there's even a scenario where I could start with both of these guys in, in my team. But uh, for the sake of argument, I'm going to talk could about... You, could you have three Bulldogs as well? Maybe. Oh, that might be going a bit <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how to feel. It'd feel I, a bit dirty, wouldn't it? I think they're all valued, <laughs> they to are, be honest. They they've, all got, they've all got upside. That's yeah. the thing. Uh, now, in my opinion, to be perfectly honest, I think that this debate is just basically a debate of the CBAs. I think that both of these guys um, will score well. It's just where those CBAs from Dunkley go. So like you kind of mentioned before, Warndog, McRae actually still was the predominant Bulldogs mid in terms of CBA. So he went at 64% last year and 64% resulted in an average of about 105 Previous to that, in the last couple of years and then years preceding that, when he had his big scores, he was more sort of the mid-70s, uh, getting closer to 80 CBAs. So for me, just if I kind of really boil down to it, I think McRae's a guy that needs high CBAs to score. Mm. He's not. I think we've worked out he's not going to score out on the wing. He's not going to, you know, he's, he rarely plays half forward, but if he's there, he's not going to score. He needs those CBAs to, uh, to be scoring. Now, I think that there's something to the fact that Dunkley leaves that, that um, you know, everyone's CBAs sort of increase. But if I have a look at the Bulldogs' CBAs and have a look at uh, some of these big names, so McRae, 64%, and then you drop down. So Liberatore, uh, just under 60%, Bont, 58%, and then Bailey Smith and Josh Dunkley last year were around that 50%. So if for me, if I'm looking at McRae and Smith, the one, if I'm beverage, the one that I'm going to drastically increase those CBAs of is probably Bailey Smith and Bontempelli. So that kind of ticked up a little red flag for me. And I thought, well, is there a scenario there where McRae stays at around 64% and then Bontempelli and Smith just kind of join him on 64% and nobody goes into that 70%? Caleb, Caleb Daniel, they're also talking have, about. Yeah, we've seen tweets field. of him getting around. So do you think that's a scenario, Dog, where they kind of just lift Smith and Bontempelli up to that 64% and McRae doesn't really get that lift or... Yeah, I do think that's the thing because I think your first picked in the guts though is um, Liberatore. So I, yeah. I'm even surprised that his numbers were as low as what they really oh, were considering, that, so. well, yeah, to, to considering build on, the eye test on him. Yeah. yeah, To build on Liber's stats, just to support your point, Warney, in the last um, 10 games of the season, Liber actually averaged around 70% CBA. Yeah, so it was the start of the season that hurt him. But sorry, keep going. Yeah, so I think uh, I, that is definitely a scenario. I think some of this preseason talk, though, like around around a um, small potato, they're getting some um, midfield time there in Caleb Daniel. But, yeah. like, you know, you, you hear that stuff. There's going to be um, – yeah. is he more of a winger? Like, I don't see him totally yeah. as an inside midfielder yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and a little bit like the Toby McLean that we'd all like in our forward line. Like, he's only going to be a winger. He's not – 
going to, he might get a little bit of inside time, but I think that's where you see a guy like that pushing there when the midfield really is including the wings when we hear about that sometimes in the media and coming out of clubs. But um, but going there with those CBAs, it, it's an important part. But I, I still think that uh, McRae, if he boosts that up to a 70 um, from that mid-60s because they just rotated through and – I guess the concern for, um, well, the concern for me going into bat for McRae is just that start that we saw from Baslenka. Like, that was a huge start to the season where his numbers were astronomical um, going through at the start of the year. Yeah. 118 in his first nine games. Yeah, but then it fell away. But there's did. plenty of reasons and excuses for that. <laughs> so, obviously, there's a suspension and yep. um, well, a double suspension, really, the... Uh, the sniffy sniff and the um, and then the head heady head butt. I think if, so if we were talking about things. if we were talking about an off season selection, I think he'd be first picked, wouldn't he? Yeah, well, he'd it be seems, right up there. It seems like he yeah, doesn't, doesn't mind the off field stuff. Trip, I reckon <laughs> yeah. he'd be very good on the trip at yeah. the end of the season. But yeah, I think uh, and see, I like um, Smith as well a lot because I think there's a lot of stories you can tell for him to be better. I think the the difference is for me is just because McRae's been there and. It. Things get better for him. I think that's the that's the thing. Whereas uh, Bazalenka, his the range of outcomes for Bailey Smith might be greater than what they are for McRae. Yeah. Um, is what I sort of feel like. I could I would not be surprised if Bailey Smith averaged 120 this year, but I'd be equally I wouldn't be equally surprised if he was 100, for example. So I think they're going to be pretty tight at the end of the season. What they do, and as I said, like adding Bont into the mix there. If we were doing a three way of this, I reckon yeah. those three you could nearly throw that blanket over what their season um, season could end up being. It could it could define a lot of peop- uh, people's seasons on which bulldog you go with. Like it could uh, honestly, I think the, you could go a number of different directions, and it could change in different portions of the season. Like you know, yeah. and McRae's cheaper as well. Like yeah, that's an amazing yeah, he's, thing he's to think about. Like that's that. a thing. Yeah, yeah it's definitely for a guy that I'm. Yeah, yeah. He, less, he averaged less than Bailey Smith last year. Like that's just that's yeah. just uh, the fact. And and obviously Bailey Smith had that poor start. Uh, sorry, poor finish to the year, but that hot start. It just uh, just excites me to, to go with a player that could do that. And, uh, you know, he's 22 yeah. years old, uh, getting better. Like, I know you said we're picking a breakout, but it's a breakout that we have seen the heights. You know, it's not like it's he's, someone... He's broken a bit already. Yeah, he's like a half breakout, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's so, yeah, yeah, you, yeah can, exactly. you can sort of see what he can do. He's just got to put it together for the whole season. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, let us know what you guys think down below in the comments, uh, the, the battle between the Bulldogs. We'll, uh, we'll move on to the forward line here and, and finish it up again. Another teammate battle where we're going with um, Zach Butters versus Connor Rosie. Now, um, I'll, I'll kick us off here with, with a Zach Butters argument. He's someone that obviously uh, frustrated a lot of fantasy managers um, last year. He, in terms of their CBAs over at Port Adelaide, he didn't. He started off by getting a few of them, but sort of floated in and out of there. And I think when Connor Rosie started going in there a bit more, in the second half of the year, he sort of spent a bit more time up on the half-forward kind of line. Still getting a little bit in there, but on the season average, 38% to Connor Rosie's 50%. I think that, for me... Zach Butters is more of that kind of pure midfielder type as opposed to a Connor Rosie who's like that midfielder that pushes forward and, and, you know, hits the scoreboard and that kind of a thing. He's probably a more damaging player, Connor Rosie, that is. So for me, the first thing for, for this comparison is that if I'm an opposing team and I'm looking to tag Port Adelaide, um, 
I'm going straight to, to Rosie, Rosie over, Butters. over Butters. And look, if Butters can stay healthy, <laughs> he can stay and, and just sort of not wreck his shoulders every time he goes in for a tackle, then <laughs> the talk is that they're all going to get a, a bump in CBAs. Those young guys are going to go in there. Boak's maybe going more to the forward line. I see maybe a higher ceiling for Butters than I do for Rosie because I think there's going to be those tags throughout the season that just sort of dampen his average compared to a, a player like Butters. But what, what are your thoughts on, on the both the Port Adelaide boys? Yeah, well, I like them both, actually, and I'm probably warming to Butters a little bit more um, over the last few weeks compared to Rosie, and, and that might be a little bit of a contrarian thing because of the popularity of Rosie. Like, it's, yeah. and you've got me on the side of all the all these popular dudes, and, and there's a good reason for it. Like, yeah, I think that's the thing. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm vanilla. I like to go with that because I think the, the game is really a trading game at the end of the day of, of where yeah. you get through, as long as you're feeling like um, – these guys are going to perform how you would expect them to. Um, yep, you can win the competition by um, having some of these out of the box picks that have the um, have the upside and with what they can do. Because Butters could do that. I think the the issue for Butters for me was that just that um, the centre bounces that he ended up having in the back end of the season. That's going to be a um, a bit of a drama there. Yes, he had injuries, so I took out the injury ones like Calvin would do anyway to take out a. Um, take out a number along the way, but pretty much I think the um, I, I think the thing for me is that he, for Rosie, he started slower and then built into his season. So he went with um, 50% CBAs for the year. So pre-buy, he was 38%, and then post-buy, he was 62%. And that's where we did see the numbers. And the, the both basic price the same, 88 for Rosie, 86 for Butters. Um, and then I think the other way is there, just that Rosie, 110 in his last seven. Butters was still pretty good, though, um, in the in the back part of the season, taking out those that injury score along the way. But I think the key, the key is that Rosie, in that midfield role where he was getting more CBAs, was working. Butters, I'm assuming, will increase from what he did in the back half of the season because he was probably battling that injury a little bit along the way. But anyway, that's uh, that's my semi thing at the moment. I've just gone Rosie just because of the way he finished the year, and I think the that's what role should continue because I the the thing is I feel like they're going to pick him in there um, first. Yes, he's versatile as what was mentioned there, but. The Horn Francis inclusion, he's not really yeah. going to do anything other than midfield. And so I, I feel like with a, a Butters and Rosie, they might be that little bit of a switcheroo at times with what they do there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they mix up. And that might be the concern with picking either of them because it is a, you know, you've got a new body in there and you might just say it's a boke out, Horn Francis in type thing. But I reckon it might be something that we do have to think about. But every little bit of all the comms are coming out that Rosie is going to continue to do what he did in the back half of the season. So fingers yeah, crossed. And, and again, man. I think it's That's another right. opportunity where you could, you could definitely pick both. It's, it's sort of a structure thing, like how, yeah. how many forwards can you fit in there? I, I was starting the season with four premium forwards. I think I'm shifting more to that three kind of premium forward structure at the moment. So this is a decision that I will, I think, end up having to make. Um, I don't think either of them – well – Again, uh, permeating health, but I don't think either of them will wreck your season, if that makes sense. But I think that it's just about picking the best option. Um, so I think I think Rosie is the safer option, and by no means a bad pick. I think there's probably eight to ten points at least of upside there, um, and they're both very similarly priced. I think that 
maybe if you wanted to go a bit more bolder, if you wanted to go a bit more of an aggressive sort of take on the game a bit more, I do think that Butters has a higher ceiling, but maybe a lower floor. And with his ownership, it's it's kind of like a style of play kind of a choice. If you wanted to, and I kind of agree with you, there's nothing wrong with a, a vanilla starting team. Um, it, I don't think you really should take ownership into consideration too much and, and go against someone just for the case of going against them. Um, but I think, yeah, I think for, for both of these guys, it's about how how aggressive do you want to play the starting team and um, what sort of, yeah, what sort of upside do you see for both of these boys there? So that'll do it for our uh, player debates here, guys. Uh, let us know down in the comments, how do you think, uh, do we convince you for Rosie? Do we convince you for Butters or, or any of those other boys that we went through today? Um, thanks so much, Warning, for, for jumping on. Uh, what have you guys, I know you guys have got a few things going on. A lot of our audience would already be listening to you guys, but what's, uh, what's coming down the pipeline? What's happening over at the Traders at the moment, man? Uh, plenty of podcasts, which is good fun. We might have some special guests coming up on those over the uh, coming week or so. But um, we've got, yeah, lots of um, lots of fun stuff along the way there because we're ticking down the days to round one. So Far. the content will, will ramp up, especially when we see these cracky games coming up too. I think that's where hopefully we'll get some pretty good intel as we go. But if you're in Adelaide... Um, Oh yes, yes. Have a have an afternoon on the piss with us. Yeah, Uh, she'll be a good fun afternoon. So big afternoon session talking some fantasy footy with a couple hundred people. She'll be bloody great at uh, the highway. I'll have to get you boys out to Brisbane one of these days. It's uh, maybe when it's a bit cooler though. It's a bit. We always we always wanted to do Brisbane. One of our mates was an assistant coach up there with the Lions, and we always go. We need to do that, but we didn't. Now he's gone down to Hawthorne, so um, that's going to be easier for us to see him. But Brisbane's nice and easy to get to we do have the direct flight from money and we've nice. done that one after work on a friday before to get up there but yeah <laughs> brisbane would be would be good to uh to go and do that and have well at least two people there to to, I oh, we, we got a couple of mates as well bring along <laughs> yeah. the they, they, might, they mightn't give a shit about food but anyway that's uh that's yeah. all good we'll um yeah no so yeah i don't know lots of things popping up so yeah afl.com.au draft guys is that, an easy place is to that, go um uh, did I see that getting that was there. coming? Keep getting I'm there. hoping that should be um, in the next week or so. Okay, We've look out to for do it. Our, um, once the uh, once draft opens, um, we'll be straight into that and um, doing our mock draft for that. We've got a, a few of our mates and special guests in for that one, and then and then I think that's how long it'll take the. Um, yeah, taking the designers just to finish that off and then we'll get that out as soon as possible because I know people are really keen to draft already. I always like yeah. to leave it to the last possible moment. Um, as we know, with any fans and sports, there's a lot of shit that can happen. Yeah. In between, Viral so, issues, um, anything could pop yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. fever, like, you, know, you never we're, know. We're doing our mates one a week before we normally would actually this year and so it's going to be while, um, while that practice match weekend's oh, on. Right, so yeah. we'll actually Check be drafting when games yeah. are on. Yeah, and that's and that's something I've done before. We've sat yeah. there and we've drafted while the game's been on. And she, ooh, old mate's just picked up uh, picked up a couple of kicks in a couple yeah. of minutes. And <laughs> up the he's order. probably never going to be drafted. <laughs> and then he probably gets taken to pick 50 or something. Yeah. It's bloody ridiculous. Yeah. So anyway, it's, um, yeah, lots of cool things to go. And hopefully everyone's all on board and ready to go for a big season because I think it's um, – going to be one of the most um, interesting and challenging seasons this year because I don't think there's any um, – we don't have a lot in AFL fantasy of the gimme picks, I don't think. Like, no, I, I reckon yes. every single person that you've got in your squad right now has a for and against. There might be more fours for them, but yep. there's definitely some against there that you could be um, – you could be going, yeah, I could find another option. So it's going to make it a very interesting season, I think, all around. 
Yeah, Definitely. very excited. Very Definitely. excited for footy to come back onto our radar. I'm, I'm excited for draft to open as well. Again, coming from a fantasy basketball background, we'll uh, we'll we'll definitely look at getting a bit of content out there for the boys. Um, you know who are keen. Our audience are looking on some draft content. But again, Warney, thank you so much for all your time, mate. And uh, we will catch you. Oh, Luke, you want to say something real Yeah, quick? yeah, mate. Just before you go, I said the same thing to Calvinator, but um, we, we do really appreciate um, the time that you that you make for us, um, us startups, I guess uh, you could call us. <laughs> yeah. But um, really, really generous and, uh, and approachable. And um, no, we appreciate what you guys do for the fantasy community. So thank you uh, very it's much, mate. Good fun. We love doing it. And um, yeah, we love... You blokes have made an awesome start. It's been very exciting to see what you're doing. You're, Thanks, you're good at what you do. You're already uh, you're already doing giving a lot better advice than Calvin along the way too. So <laughs> it's a, that's a that's a positive thing, and and you don't come across like a uh, a piss drug cock at times. So that's a well, that's um, a good thing. We'll make that sure we Monday morning. We'll make sure that we snip that, that, that content, that little clip there, and we'll we'll, we'll blast it over <laughs> on the Twitter there. All right. Monday mornings we have to deal with Calvin sometimes. He uh, smells like a brewery, and um, <laughs> anyway we. Uh, so if you do want to fly down to Lonnie on a Monday morning, we'd certainly have you on board. Luckily, you came in after Calvin on this one and uh, he's not going to have to follow you. Yeah. All right. But uh, thank you so much, guys. If you have enjoyed the content today, make sure you guys like and subscribe on the YouTube channel. We're trying to hit a thousand subscribers on the YouTube channel. So if you haven't subscribed already, please do so now. Give this video a big thumbs up. Follow us on uh, uh, Twitter, Ball Boys Fantasy, Luke Rojo 17 at Warney DT. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Later. Tschüss.